time of worship this morning. Thank you all for being here today to worship God together. And uh, if you're new here, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. Pam's scripture and prayer at the end there was really moving because our, our worship team has been through some rough times and some difficult patches lately in their personal lives, and, and I'm sure you have as well. So that was just especially meaningful to hear that. I'm excited to get into our message today. We're in Acts chapter 16. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles if you want to, but I'll also remind you we're still doing a lot of the back together things this year. So we've had a bunch of the dinners together already happen, and it's been neat to see the pictures that people have sent in of that. But we've still got our Bible reading plan out there. The daily devotional podcast is there for you at efree.org slash back together. And I was working this week. I was at a conference in California for the pastors and missionaries and chaplains and other people in the EFCA, our association had a great time, but while I was there, I was able to also work on the next episode of the Five Questions podcast. You guys have sent in some doozies of questions. My goodness. So some of you have sent like just lists of 20 questions, and they're all really, really tough. Um, so thank you. I'm looking forward to getting into some of those. I'll probably get one more episode out this week before I go into sabbatical world in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And just to give you a, a preview of what's going to happen the next couple of weeks here. So this is going to be our last message in Acts for a little while. We're actually going to wrap it up in January of next year. Okay, so we'll get there. We'll get through Acts. And the next series we're going to do is called The Verse That Changed Everything. That starts next week. Next week will be a prayer service, so there'll be some dedicated time for prayer in there with each other. It's the, the theme is the verse that changed everything, and this is going to carry us through my sabbatical. We've asked a bunch of different speakers to come in and share the verse that has had the biggest impact on their life. So what you're going to hear is like the best that they've got. This is the thing that's made the biggest difference for them. So the verse that changed everything, I'm going to start in James chapter 4. It's going to be all focused on prayer. It's made a huge difference in my life. And so I encourage you to come back next week for that. And then just each week after that, it's going to be somebody sharing the, the biggest thing the Bible has done for them. So you're, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. And some great speakers, some that you've heard before, some that you haven't. After that, on September 10th, I think it is, we launch into a new series created to connect God's design for gender and sexuality. We're going to cover a broad array of topics with regard to how God has made us to work with intimacy and connection and, and his design and what that means and what that does not mean. So make sure you're here for that. And then after that, we'll get back into Acts and we'll, we'll be there until next year a little bit. So that's a little bit of the roadmap for the future. Today, we're in Acts chapter 16. In Acts 16, we're going to find a situation where Paul is, it would be really nice for Paul to have some clear direction, and he doesn't have that. In fact, he has the opposite of that. His plans get interrupted multiple times. And it made me think this week about something that Jenny and I used to do. We used to run a missions ministry called Extreme Impact. And every year we would take hundreds of young people, high school and college students for the most part. We would train them up and would send them out on mission trips around the world. How it often looked is would have a training camp, would have several teams come together, do this training camp, and then they'd go overseas for three weeks, they'd come back, would do a debriefing camp. And that's when we got to hear about all the problems. And it seemed like there were the same types of problems that would show up again and again and again. And what I learned the first couple of years of doing this was that if I could come up with some training and a, a code word that was like a hook that would get them to think back to the training I could help to head off some of the most difficult aspects of working as a team together and the friction that could be caused in that. 
And there were a lot of different code words that we used. We came up with all sorts of things that were super useful. But one of them that was especially effective was the word recalculating. Recalculating. Do you remember a long time ago, before smartphones existed, there were these GPS devices that you would stick on your dash that had no connectivity to anything online or anything like that. In fact, if you wanted to update them, you would take them inside, plug them in with a USB cord, and dial up on your 56K modem, you know, you know, and download a map update and hope that nothing changed before you could do it again so that as you drove around. Remember, do you remember before those GPS devices what you had to do? So I am old enough that I did a lot of driving before any GPS came out. And I had a glove compartment full of those big old maps. And you know what happened when you would, when you would get off track? I, I did some big you know, 12, 16-hour drives quite frequently, actually. And you get off course, and you're looking around, and you're like, I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. What do you do? <clears throat> well, you had to stop the car, pull over somewhere safe, open the glove compartment. The maps would fall all over the floor, and you'd shuffle through them for the state that you're in, pull that out, open the thing up, and pray to God that the road you're on is on that map. Because otherwise, I have no idea where I am. And not all the roads were on there. So you got to find a big enough road. you got to trace your way back to where you need to be. And you might do that, if you're lucky, five or six times on a trip. It was very interrupting to your journey. And then, of course, GPS devices came along. And they were pretty magical because they were able to tell you where to go. And instead of having to like go to MapQuest, which used to be a thing, and print out directions to where you needed to go, which was still fairly helpful, but you could get off track and the paper didn't update. Now you had a screen that anytime you got off track would say what? Recalculating. It'd figure you a new route and you would take that to get back on track. So we use that word with our missions teams so that after we did this training about being flexible and adapting and expecting the unexpected and what to do when interruptions happen and how to, how to figure out a new path, they would have this code word as a hook so that when something came up that they didn't expect and they started to get frustrated and anxious and irritated with each other, somebody would go, hey, 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 recalculating, and they would all remember all those training sessions that would come back to them and they would move on. And that right there probably cut out like 99% of the team conflict and friction just by making that one change. Why? Because the problem was whenever the plan got interrupted, it threw up all this anxiety and this frustration about not knowing what's next. You felt like you had a plan and all of a sudden now you don't have a plan. And that's a frustrating place to be. And when you're in a different country and everybody around you speaking a different language and you had this plan and now it's interrupted, especially if you're the type of person that likes to know what's coming next. And then this other person's kind of getting on your nerves and you don't have enough sleep and you're not eating the food that you're used to. It's just a recipe for disaster and frustration. And teams had so much conflict with each other until we started teaching them recalculating. Pause Think about what you need to do next or what you can do next. And there's a whole bunch of training that goes along with that. And then calculate a new plan forward. Spend your energy on that instead of whining and griping and backbiting and, well, you shouldn't have done this and why did you take us here and all those other things. What we're gonna see in Acts 16 today is exactly that. Paul's got plans and those plans get interrupted a couple of times in some big ways. 
and what he does with that and how he recalculates and moves on from that and even how he approaches his plans to begin with is so informative for us. If you are in a place right now where you feel like, I just wish God would give me some direction. I just wish he would tell me what to do. What is the next thing I need to do? Who is it I'm supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? What career am I supposed to pursue? Should I leave this job and go to a different job? What do I need to do about this thing? Then today's message is gonna be for you. The message is called Making Wise Choices in Foggy Conditions. And if that sounds familiar, it's because we had a message by the same title last August of last year. And if that message, if that title doesn't sound familiar to you, I'm not surprised. I don't expect you to remember the titles of messages, so that's okay. But this is Making Wise Choices in Foggy Conditions, part two. So let me just cover for you what we talked about last August in part one. This is back in Acts chapter one. The apostles are trying to determine who's gonna replace Judas. And we said this about the principles they followed in trying to pick a new apostle. They were constantly in community and prayer together. They accepted the will of God, even when it seemed troubling. They looked to scripture for guiding principles. They used common sense when they didn't have clear direction. They prayed for God's wisdom and will in their decision. So that's what we saw in Acts chapter one. Now we're gonna see a new circumstance where we don't have clear direction. And Paul is gonna try to make a way through this foggy condition how is he gonna do it, and how does this apply to where you're at today in your life and the decisions that you are trying to make? So just for a little bit of review from last week, last week we saw Paul take off from Antioch of Syria, again, for a second missionary journey. Remember, he split ways with John, Mark, and Barnabas. Paul takes Silas with him, and they head off on their journey. They go to uh, Derby, they go to Lystra, and in Lystra they meet this guy, Timothy, and Timothy's gonna join the team. Paul has some very unique um, requirements for him to join that team. We talked about that last week. I won't get into it again. You're welcome. And Timothy and Silas and Paul are now gonna move on and do ministry together. And that's where we pick this up on. But it's important to know as we get into this, Paul's mindset behind everything. So Paul wants to go preach the gospel where it hasn't been preached before. That's his big goal. I wanna get out there and share the gospel to people who've never heard it before. And that's, that doesn't have to be everybody's goal. Um, certainly not. I, I don't necessarily think that's the, the role that God has given me in life necessarily. I mean, I like sharing the gospel with people, but I have wrestled with in the past and determined that that is not God's plan for my life to go and, and preach the gospel in countries and regions and areas that are completely unreached. That's just not, I like to be involved in that. I like to support that. I've done some of that in the past. Um, I've been one of the first people to go into certain communities and share the gospel in the past, but that's not my life's calling. But it does appear to be Paul's life's calling. In Romans 15, he said, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, and this comes from Isaiah 52, those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. So this helps us to understand the perspective that Paul has when he is going out onto this missionary journey. You know, Barnabas and John Mark, they were going to Cyprus where the churches had already been planted before. They were going on an encouragement tour. Paul wanted to go on an unreached tour and that's one of the directives or one of the, the pieces of direction that drives him in life, one of the principles. So now we go back to Acts 16, 6. 
Paul's mission, Paul's purpose in life is to boldly go where no Christian has gone before. That's the goal. And in Acts 16, we read in verse six, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of, and here's how you actually, how do you think you say this word? Good guesses. I've always said Phrygia, but it just sounds wrong, doesn't it? It's actually Phrygia. That's technically how you would say this word in the native tongue, it's Phrygia. And the next word is Galatia. But we just say Galatia, so I'm just gonna say Galatia, okay? So because I like Phrygia better than Phrygia, or Phrygia, which is even better, I'm just gonna say Phrygia or Phrygia. There'd probably be a little more of a guttural sound in there. And then Galatia. So they travel through Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Now that's really interesting to me. The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the gospel in Asia. What was he thinking? I mean, the people in Asia, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news about Jesus. Paul and Timothy and Silas are like, let's go to Asia. Let's share the gospel with them. No one's shared before. There's these cities. And by the way, you need to understand about Asia. It's different than the Asia that you think of today, okay? So today you think of Asia as you know, China and Japan and, and Vietnam and Thailand and maybe India and those kinds of places. But in Bible times, the word Asia was for a province of Asia, a region in the Roman Empire, okay? So this is a little bit different. In fact, I've got a map for you so you can see what this looks like. If we show it on the screen, Paul and Timothy, or Paul and uh, Silas, rather, start in Antioch of Syria. They make their way over through Cilicia, through Derby, through Lystra. That's where they meet Timothy. There you can see Galatia and Phrygia, and then there's Asia right there, which is next. So Asia is actually this province that includes places like Ephesus and Miletus and Thyatira, those places. So that is where Asia is, the Asia that we're talking about. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit has said, you can't preach the gospel in Asia. That is such a strange thing to me. Why would he say not to do that? Paul doesn't get clear directives from God on where to go preach the gospel. In fact, he gets a, a negative directive on where not to preach the gospel. Isn't that crazy? God's like, I don't want you to preach the gospel here. And so Paul has to recalculate and think, okay, so where are we gonna go next? And, and there in verse six, you see it. They, they traveled through Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching in Asia. So Paul recalculates and the team recalculates and says, all right, this is where we're going to go instead. Now, just because they didn't have a clear directive from God on where to go, didn't mean that Paul didn't have direction on what to do in life and, and with ministry. Remember what we read earlier from Romans, where Paul is quoting Isaiah 52, and he, he has this verse that's basically his life verse. You know, a lot of us have life verses. So this seems to be Paul's life verse. Those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. And so sharing the gospel with people who've never heard it before, that's Paul's direction in life. And so he says, well, I'm still gonna do that. I'm just not gonna do it in Asia, I guess. And so let's try other places right next door. Let's try Galatia. Let's try Phrygia, And we'll share the gospel there. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I did not preach the good news. So here's another piece of direction that Paul had in his life. It doesn't say where to preach it, but he is compelled to share the gospel. In Galatians 2, he says, instead they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. 
just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. So here again, we've got some overall direction. Preach the gospel where it hasn't been preached before. Preach it to Gentiles. I'm compelled to share the gospel with people. That's direction, but it's not a clear directive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, I passed on to you what was most important, what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. This is the important message, the gospel that he wants to share with everybody, what Jesus did for us, the sacrifice that he made on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and so that his righteousness could be applied to us and so we could be made right with God. It's the most important message. I'm not gonna stop telling people about that. I guess I just can't do it in Asia right now. So we had direction, but not a clear directive in his life. And so instead, he goes through Phrygia and Galatia. Let's put that on the screen one more time, just so you can get a sense of where we're at and where we're going. I want you to notice where Mysia is, notice where Bithynia is. He's made his way through Galatia, now he's working through Phrygia there. And I felt this way a lot of times, like I just didn't have direction in life. Have you ever felt that way? I just wish I knew what the next step was. I wish God would just tell me the next thing I need to do because I don't know. And, and a lot of times this leads to, to paralysis and anxiety and, and depression in our lives because we just don't feel like we have some clear direction in our lives. And if that's the way you're feeling right now, then I hope this message will be helpful for you. Let's move on to verse seven and then we're gonna talk through some principles from this. In verse seven, it says, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. So you just saw that on the map there. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go in there. So here we go again. Paul has this great idea. Hey guys, let's go up to Bithynia. All right, so God won't let us do it in Asia, but, we, but then we tried Galatia and he didn't stop us there. And then we tried Phrygia and he didn't stop us there. What if we go north? All right, we'll go up north to Bithynia. And then... God stops him along the way. He's already on the journey, by the way. He's made, he's, taken, he's made the plans and arranged the food and the provisions and everything, and he's got a team of at least three people, and they're headed up there, and along the way, he gets stopped. Now, why did Paul wanna to go to Bithynia in the first place? Well, it's probably because of what we already talked about. He wants to preach the gospel where it's never been preached before, and Bithynia is a perfect place to do it. It's never been preached, let's go up there. But there's another interesting question to ask here which is why wouldn't God allow Paul to preach the gospel in Bithynia? Why did he stop him in Asia? Why did he stop him in Bithynia? And of course, we'll learn later on in Acts when we come back to this in a, a few months here, that God has a plan for what Paul and Silas and Timothy are going to do that is beyond anything they could have understood in this moment. In fact, it's a plan that's gonna have such an incredible impact on the world and on the church and on Christianity at this time. It's gonna end up having ripple effects that carry on all the way down to you and me 2,000 years later. So what God has in mind for them is so much bigger than going into Asia than going to Bithynia. But haven't you been there before where you felt like you had determined a good thing to do, this was a wise thing to do, and along the way, the door just slammed shut in your face and you went, come on, this was good, I had good motives. This was a right thing, I'm pursuing this good thing, this relationship, this job, this, this whatever it is in my life that I thought was good. Why would you stop this, God? Why would you allow me to get halfway and then stop this? Haven't you felt that way? I sure felt that way at times. That's a really important question for us to ask. And we're gonna talk about that uh, a little bit here, get into some principles for this. But it leads me to another question as well, which I think is important to cover first. And that is, why didn't Paul just wait for God to drop the next step in his lap? 
why didn't he just, you know, we talk about waiting on the Lord. Why didn't he just wait on the Lord? Why didn't Paul just stay where he was in Lystra with Timothy and Silas and say, guys, we're gonna have a prayer meeting and we're not moving from this room until God tells us what to do. He's gonna tell us what to do next. It doesn't seem like that's how Paul operated. In fact, it doesn't seem like that's always how God operates. We think sometimes that we need to have clear, specific direction from God on what is next. And, and that can be helpful in life, and sometimes that happens in life, but we don't always get that. So what do we, what do, we do with that? I wanna give you a few principles from this passage that when you're stuck, when you've been interrupted, when you feel like, what am I gonna do now, will hopefully help you make wise plans and good decisions even in foggy conditions. The first thing I want us to notice is that we need to follow the direction you have even if you don't have a clear directive. Paul did not know exactly what to do next when he was sitting there in Lystra, wanted to go to Asia, and God said no. But he had some general direction in his life, which we've already talked about, to share the gospel with people, to share where it hasn't been shared, uh, to do that with, with, um, in places where no one had already started a church, to make sure that the gospel was clearly communicated about what Jesus did for them. He had this general direction in life, and so he was gonna take action to do that even if he didn't have a clear direction about where he needed to go next. A lot of people look at all of the doors in front of them and assume that they are all closed until God opens one. And it seems like Paul's MO was to look at a row of doors in front of him and assume that they're all open until God closes them. It's a different way of looking at life. It's actually a very trusting and faithful way to look at life. Paul looked at Asia and thought, that must be an open door. And God said, I'm going to shut that. And later on, Paul looks at Galatia and says, that must be an open door. And you going to stop me? No? Okay, Galatia, wide open. Great. What about Freya? Can we, can we go through Freya? Door seems to be open. God never stopped him. Goes through all these towns in Galatia and Freya. Took some time to do that, I'm sure. And then he decides, okay, Bithynia, another open door, right? Making a way, almost there. They get up to the border. They actually cross over into a little bit of Bithynia there. Boom, door slams shut. But that's how Paul seemed to approach decision-making. It wasn't that there was a row of closed doors that God needed to open when we just sit back and wait for him to do it. It was, no, there's a row of options in front of us. And I'm gonna take action based on the direction that I have, even if I don't have a clear directive from God right now about what is next for me. Follow the direction you have, even if you don't have a clear directive. Number two, make sure your actions have purpose, even if there isn't a clear plan. The things that Paul did next were not the things that we often tend to do when we feel directionless in life. When we feel directionless in life, sometimes it leads to stress and anxiety and, and, and paralysis of, of action. And you know, our tendency is probably to flip on the TV or or go online or do the whole scroll and just kind of flick through everything. There are all sorts of things that we can get lost in and caught up in instead of doing something that's productive, instead of following the direction that we have. But it's not just about taking action, it's about taking action with purpose. Purpose is so important in life. We've, we talked already about Paul's purpose and, and what he was called by God to do. What's your purpose in life? Even if you don't know the exact next thing you need to do, is there some purpose that God has given you, something that you've seen? He's kind of gifted me in this area or I, I feel most satisfied when I serve in this way or when I help in this way or when I'm doing this kind of work. 
This is what God has designed me to do. And so even if you don't know specifically what's next for you, are there actions you can take that will be purposeful based on the direction that you have? Can you go ahead and make moves in that area? Even without that clear destination in mind, which, which God's eventually gonna give him some clear direction, but he's holding them off for, for a good long time. Paul still took actions that were purposeful, even though he didn't know the plan. Number three, make the wisest possible choice given the information you have at the time. Make the wisest possible choice given the information you have at the time. You may not know what the next step is for you, but God has given you this amazing thing called a brain. If God didn't want you to use it, he wouldn't have given it to you. He's given you consciousness. He's given you discernment. He's given you his word. He's given you other people who can be wise counsel for you. He's given you this opportunity for you to actually make some decisions in this world. He's designed it that way for you. And so he doesn't always give you the next step. Sometimes he expects you to use wisdom to make a good choice. We see this in James chapter one. James one verse five says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I have long loved this verse. I've preached about this verse for many, many years. It's, it's, it's been a huge influence on my life, asking God for wisdom all the time in the moment, no matter what I'm doing. But it took me a long time to realize something important about this verse. Do you remember last week we talked about recognizing what's not there and how that can sometimes be so insightful to ask the question, what's not in this verse? What is this verse not saying that maybe gives us some contrast? You know what this verse isn't saying? This verse is not saying if anyone, can you put it up on the screen again real quick? I just wanna show you this. If anyone needs the next step, ask God and he'll give you exactly what it is. If anyone needs to know what job to take, ask God and he'll tell you. If anyone needs to know who to marry, ask God and he's gonna put a halo over their head. If anyone needs to know what school to go you, send out the letters and whichever one comes back with a cross written on it, that's the one you're supposed to go to. That's not what James says. If anyone lacks wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge that you have and use it to make a good choice, to make a good decision. Someone told me after the first service that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> wisdom is your ability to take whatever information you have and make a good decision with it. And God makes a promise to you that if you're not sure what to do, he will give you wisdom, not necessarily exactly the path forward. And so sometimes you have to use the brain that he's given you and make a good choice. But this leads us to the next thing here. Be constantly open to God's redirection. Be constantly open to God's redirection. Remember that image I tried to paint earlier of all the doors that are in front of you. And a lot of times we look at those doors as closed and we ask God to open one. And I think the example that Paul gives us is to assuming that we're operating based on the direction that we have from God's word and sound biblical principles and everything we've learned and good advice from people around us and there's purpose in our actions. 
to assume that those doors actually are, are open, as long as there's nothing unbiblical about them. And then we take some steps towards one of those doors, and we remain completely open to God's redirection along the way. And as we're heading towards door number one, which we think is maybe the best choice for us, we say, God, if this is not where you want me to go, please close that door. And I will actually be thankful when it closes instead of upset, instead of disappointed. Haven't you pursued something in the past that you thought was great and when it didn't work out, you got upset, maybe even upset at God? What if we had a different mindset about that? What if instead, when that thing we've been pursuing doesn't work out anymore, we go, thank you, God. Thank you for that clear direction in my life. I know it doesn't feel that way in the moment, but don't you think there was a little tinge of disappointment for Paul to have gathered all the supplies and headed north and been so excited about reaching these unreached people in Bithynia and then be told no, but also not be told what's next? Think about that. God allowed Paul to exist in this space of ambiguity where he'd been given a closed door but not an open one yet. Why does God do that? Because it develops our faith. It develops our trust in him to be willing to say, even if I don't know exactly what's next for me, I know the principles that guide my life. I know the direction that is over me, the purpose that you have given me. And so even if I don't know exactly what to do next, I'm gonna trust you, Lord, to lead me through it make the best decision I can based on the information that I have now. God is not looking for puppets or robots that simply await instructions. God wants disciples that learn how to make wise choices. He doesn't tell you to simply wait for exactly what you're supposed to do next. He tells you to study to show yourself approved. He tells you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is. There is an element where you need to interact and engage with what God has already taught you, make a wise choice, and then say, but Jesus, feel free to take the wheel if you need to steer me in a different direction. That is how God has designed us to live, and yet sometimes we feel like we're absolutely paralyzed. And we can't jump into anything because we don't understand. God made you this way to move, to go, to take action. You've probably heard the analogy before of a ship with a rudder. And if the ship is not moving forward, that rudder doesn't do a thing. You can be on that ship and you can turn the, the wheel and you can move the rudder and it, it's not gonna move. It's just gonna sit there if it's not moving forward for the water to rush past the rudder so that as it turns, it actually moves the ship. Now, this has led some people to make the statement, God can't steer a ship that isn't moving. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. God can do anything he wants. God can take that ship and just rotate it where he's at. But the point is, that doesn't seem to be how he usually works. That's not how we work with Paul. Paul did not think that he could just sit around in Lystra and do nothing until God said, here's where I want you to go. Paul's motive, modus operandi was to say, we're going to start moving and working and doing the things we know we should do, even if we don't know exactly where to go or how exactly to do them, and we'll trust God to redirect us along the way. Be constantly open to God's redirection. Verse eight, so instead, they get stopped in Bithynia, recalculating. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, they weren't told to do this. This is just the next logical step. 
And if we can put the map up again, you'll see why. They've made their way from the east and Antioch of Syria over through Cilicia, through Galatia, through Phrygia. They were told not to go to Asia, not to go to Bithynia. We've tried north, we've tried south, we've tried east. Where else are we gonna go? Might as well go west. And so they head out west to Troas. And here's what happens in Troas. Listen to this, verse nine. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Finally. Finally, some clear direction, something specific. And what we see here is that God works in both ways. Sometimes God gives clear, specific direction. By the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the same Holy Spirit that Paul did. It doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna speak to you audibly and tell you exactly what to do. One of the things the Bible tells, one of the things Jesus said was that the Holy Spirit would remind his followers of all the things they had been taught. Sometimes the way the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you and prompt you is just gonna be to bring something to your memory that you have learned in God's word already that's relevant to the situation you're in or relevant to the thing that God wants you to do next. In my life, that's, that's been the most common way for God to give me direction is I'm considering something or, or confused about something, looking at two different choices or multiple choices, and some scripture pops into my head. That's why it's so important to be in God's word and memorize it. It's not to check the box. It's so that you've got this bank of things to pull from that the spirit can remind you of and say, hey, remember this? This is relevant right now. It's a lot of times how he guides. But the Holy Spirit sometimes will give that clear direction. Sometimes you just have to make a wise choice. With the direction that you do have, make sure that it's purposeful and be open to God redirecting you along the way. So let me just go through this one more time so we can all remember. This is what Paul did. Number one, he followed the direction he had even without a clear directive. Number two, he made sure his actions had purpose even if there wasn't a clear plan. Three, he made the wisest possible choice given the information he had at the time. And four, he was constantly open to God's redirection. So what would it look like for you to follow this path in your life right now? I can't even begin to imagine all of the ways that this can apply because it's gonna hit everybody in a different place. What is the decision that you're trying to make right now? What is the direction that you wish you had? What is the, the next step for you? And, and I, I couldn't even begin to know. Does it have to do with, with work or life or friendships or, or school or sports or whatever it could be? But whatever that is, what would it look like if you, if you followed this path and said, all right, there's doors in front of me. I'm gonna assume they're all open and God wants me to use wisdom to make a choice. I'm gonna use all the principles and direction, all the guidance that I have. We're gonna try to make a wise choice. And as I am making that choice, I'm gonna pray. God, if this isn't where you want me to go, could you just slam the door shut in my face? I have never found that God has steered me wrong or failed to redirect me if needed. You just have to be open to that redirection, willing to recalculate. And instead of saying, this is terrible, I spent all this time, all this money, all these resources, all this energy to pursue this, and now it's being cut short, to instead say, okay, God must be closing a door here. This is a good thing. I'm gonna accept this direction in my life, just like Paul did, because maybe he's got something better for me in the future, and I just don't see it yet. Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make our plans, 
but the Lord determines our steps. It's a good thing to make plans. It's a good thing to use that brain God has given you. It's a good thing to try to make wise choices, but remember, the Lord determines our steps. Many times in life, I have lacked direction, and when I started learning to do this, it gave me such a confidence and a trust and a faith in God that I had never had before. Because to be willing to say, even though I don't know exactly what to do, I'm going to try to make a wise choice based on what I've already learned from God and from his teachers in my life, that's an act of faith. I trust in the teaching God has given me so far. And so I believe this is the right thing to do. I'm gonna take a step in this direction. And then to do that with a mindset of, if God redirects me, I'm okay with that. That's also an act of faith. In fact, to take a step, maybe it's even a, a a dangerous, difficult, risky step, but you believe it's what, it's a good thing to do, it's a wise thing to do, and say, God, close the door if you want, even if it hurts, that's an act of faith. You're putting yourself out there and you're saying, Lord, I trust you, even if this ends up wasting my time, even if helping this person in this way ends up kind of hurting me a little bit, even if it doesn't work out the way that I want it to. It's an exercise in trust. And sometimes when God doesn't give us the next step, it's a test of faith, a test of trust that he offers to us. So embrace it, embrace it head on. I wanna give you some space right now as as we near the end of this service to actually spend a little bit of time with God about this because there's bound to be people in this room that have been wrestling with something and unsure of what to do and maybe you're starting to get a little glimpse of maybe I should take a step in this direction and ask God to close the door if it's not where he wants me to go. Maybe there's other people where God has some pretty clear direction that he's been trying to throw at you and you've been resisting it for a while because it's uncomfortable or or you're just uncertain or your fear of the unknown. Or maybe you just need to go before God today and say, Lord, I could really use some wisdom. I could really use some help with this important decision I have to make. Might be to do with a family member. It might be to do with a job. Might be to do with a friend or a child. I need some wisdom. Would you give me some wisdom? And maybe God's gonna give you the next step Or maybe God's just gonna give you some wisdom to help you make a better decision and be discerning in that moment. Whatever it is, I want you to be open to it. We're gonna have a few minutes here and I don't want you to get to the end of this time and feel like, oh man, God didn't give me any clear direction. I must not be as spiritual. Haven't you felt that way? Why does this person always get to hear from God? They always seem to know exactly what to do. I don't know what to do. Does that mean I don't have enough faith? Not necessarily. It means you're like Paul, where sometimes God didn't tell him exactly what to do, and that was absolutely fine. Maybe God's gonna give you something clear. Maybe he's not. But let's treat this as an opportunity to invite him into the decision-making plans that we have right now, whatever that is for you. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for a directive if he's willing to give it. Ask him for help determining the next steps and then trusting that even if he doesn't, It's an opportunity for you to use faith. Let's all bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for stories like this that teach us how we can live and go through life in a way that is full of confidence, even when we don't have confidence in the plan or or awareness of the plan. We can have confidence in your plan, even though we don't know what the next step is. It is miserable going through life, always feeling like, We're getting interrupted and we have to recalculate all the time. But it doesn't have to be miserable when we know that there's a God who cares about us, who knows the beginning from the end, who sees it all and who has promised to never leave us or forsake us. 
who's promised to give us wisdom when we ask for it, who's promised to work all things out for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So God, I pray that you would calm our our hearts right now in this time. Help us to be quiet. Help us to listen. Bring to our memory scriptures that can help give us guidance on how we need to live and how we need to make decisions today, God. If you're willing for some of us, give us that clear direction that we seek. But even if not, remind us of your love for us. Remind us of the importance of faith even when we're uncertain. Use that to help us to grow, Lord. Use that to to build endurance in us that we can trust in you and have a willingness to let you redirect our life, Lord. We're gonna spend the next few minutes right now just seeking you, being in front of you, dwelling in your presence. We love you, Lord.